0: Hey there everybody, and welcome to another episode of Shredding the Gnar. Today I get to speak to an inspiring young gentleman called Darren. Darren grew up in an underprivileged environment, having to undergo years and years of abuse. Darren decided to escape this unhealthy lifestyle by running to the beach every day. From the tender age of 10, he would sit and watch surfers for years and years, for eventually trying to surf himself. This is a story about a young man who wouldn't accept the fact that life had given him a bad hand of cards. Let's jump straight into this episode with Darren Nichols. Ocean was your sanctuary yes. and it, uh, it was a pivotal part in your life that propelled you to a dream state, mm. meeting people along the way, like the old man on the beach, like Brian, like Lindsay, like Pastor, like the people that you know it was that stepping stone yes. to where you are at now with a beautiful farm, helping young kids, helping older kids, helping the kids integrate back into a family type environment. Yes, hundred yes, percent. So if you want to know how this happened, keep watching. Alright, you're gonna find out how.
1: Please remember to hit subscribe and like. Hit
0: subscribe, hit like. We're back in Lifestyle. I've got to give a massive thanks to Craig and his team down here at Lifestyle Surf Shop. Also got to say thank you to C6 Threads, the best board bags out of Australia. To my associates over at Wavescape. Pachow. And pachow to this man, Darren Nicholson. Darren Nicholson is an infamous, an infamous (laughs) Musenberg. Surf coach, this is the roots for you, bro. This is yes. this place, this little surface corner means a lot to you, right? Yes, it does. Why?
1: Well, Musenberg, um uh, Musenberg to me is is pretty much where so many opportunities came. Um, especially being being from a township, um, I made so many different relationships. Um, I met so many different people that has become the foundation um, and support for my life and, and moving forward, so I love this place, I love this place.
0: Um, yeah, look, it's a it's a special place for everyone and it is, there's always such a vibe when I come here around Musenberg. you know, you drive through all the cars and you see all these people getting changed into their wetsuits and like oftentimes like half naked, just they're not cared, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. everyone knows. Like, it's almost like everyone's seen each other's bums, yes, yes. you know, <laughs> so they're not cared anymore. And But you're driving through this, like, this energy as you get to the circle. And it's, I think, you know, people may criticize the waves sometimes, like the core surfers may criticize yeah. the waves. But I don't think you get this type of, like, surf community energy anywhere else in South Africa.
1: Yes. No, definitely not. Um, I just think it's 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 got uh, a variety of different people, different energies, and there's always you've got this, the early morning guys going in, and then you got the guys that comes a little bit later, and as they transitioning out, they're always handing over that vibe to everybody else. They passing it on. You have the little lighties, and one thing that I love about Musenberg is is everybody sharing the stuff. Yeah. Everybody sharing the stuff. Yeah. No matter if you're old, no matter if you're young, everybody's sharing the stove.
0: So let's rewind. Um, Darren, um, you come from a a very challenged, tough, downright, you know, yeah, I think tough is the word childhood. Um, tell us about that.
1: Well, um, it all, it all life, life got better with, with surfing. Uh, long before I even knew what surfing was, you know, I always checked uh, all of these people, uh, in, in Komiki. So I'm from a place, uh, I'm from a place called Ocean View. So, um, I lived with my mom and my dad, uh, but I, I was born into a very dysfunctional, uh, background, a lot of violence, um, no role models literally living day-to-day, living day. so...
0: Fearing indeed, for your life?
1: Yeah, fearing for your life, even just, uh, I mean, getting to and from a place, you need to uh, kind of calculate uh, everything, you know, uh, even getting food, uh, you know, uh, having to look out for your little brother as well. Uh, my mom worked as a, as a domestic worker uh, in other people's homes. Um, but because my dad was so involved with drugs and alcohol, I come from a long line of um, gangsterism. Uh, so the only real role model that I had was was to become a gangster, um, because my my even my grandfather was the general uh, in in his gang, and my father also became a part of the gang, and he and I suppose my destiny was to also become a part of the gang. Um, but I always asked the question of there must be. must be more for me out there and i found that by running away from home in the afternoons um but during during the time that i was that my dad was still around um, he tormented us so many times uh, that you didn't really want to be at home to the point where he he uh, went to prison for attempted murder he went to prison for 24 years and during that time i needed to become the man at a very young age. So while my mom goes off to work, I would look after my brother. I would make sure that everything goes well. I would sell wood along the side of the road um, next to the police station there. I would start selling wood and then kind of trying my help my mom out in a, in, a, in a way as well. Um, so the time that she would come home, I would then take off because, you know, the, the reality of everything was just so overwhelming for me that I was kind of like in this, in this fog, like I didn't know w- which way was left or right or what I would need to be doing with this. I had a lot of mixed feelings that I didn't even know the words to to it. I didn't know what to say. I'm feeling like this or I'm feeling like that. Um, so I would run away and then I would make my way over the mountain um, and I'd find my way uh, to the beach. And there I would be sitting every single day next to this this old bully that uh, would be smoking his spliff. And I would be watching, watching, watching. And then after he smoked his fluffy he would go into the water. And I'm like, what what is this people doing? You know, and um, what's this people doing? And I'm busy watching it, but they always come out looking so stoked, you know. And happy and with I, love. Yeah, and I was I was asking myself, like, what's this man? You know, like I wanna, I wanna know, I wanna know more about it. so I started asking this guy every day, like, okay, so tell me more about this, like, you know. It's like, yeah, you know, this is what you do. You know, you can surf a longboard, you can surf a shortboard. But I think if you do decide to do it, you can, you can uh, just try out my board.
0: But how long had you been going there, sitting there, watching? Three years. You three were years. sitting, watching, yes. without surfing. Without surfing. For three years. For three years. So you were studying the surfers, the break, where the waves were breaking, the culture... For three years without getting in the water.
1: Yes. For three years. I, every now and again, I would like run up to the water and I would, my feet and I'm like, yo, this is taco.
0: You (laughs) know, and I'm
1: like, how are these people going into the water? No, no, no ways. And then like, I I would go back and I'd kind of just sit there and watch it again until I need to obviously get home. And, uh, you know, because I need to make my way over the mountain again to get back to Ocean View because I lived in a place called Mountain View. Okay. Um, But after after how old were you i was 10 years old at the time okay yeah i was 10 at the time um but my relationship with the with the old buddy it, it grew and grew and uh to the point where one afternoon it was it was really nice it was a really nice day sun was out and he said you want to give it a shot and i said yeah so i took my clothes while i was in my only. And I went inside the Hold on, hold on,
0: hold on. People don't know what your oni is. We're talking about people who who don't understand South African slang necessarily. He decided he was going to surf for the first time in three years uh, in this very cold, cold (laughs) water. And he gets given the opportunity to surf. Yeah. Yeah. And you got undressed naked. No. Uh, in, in your underpants. In my underpants. That's your yeah. Oni. Your Onabruk. Onabruk. Yeah. Your underpants. Under ah. means under. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets strips down, no wetsuit, into his underpants. Yeah. And you seize the opportunity yes. to yes. paddle out into the cold water in your underpants. Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. I, um, so, you know, that in that moment, I didn't even think of, I didn't even think of how cold the water was. I was just I was just remembering how stoked everybody was and like I wanted to feel that like okay. you know the my normal reality I knew what that was I know what that feels like and I just I I I wanted a different result I wanted to 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 feel what they were feeling so I didn't think about the cold and I just shot into the water. Wow. I just shot into the water and the first wave that came after paddling over over three waves the first one that came I jumped up And I was up, and I was riding.
0: So, so you'd never surfed in your life? Never surfed. And a wave came, and you stood up and rode.
1: And I stood up and rode. Wow. Yeah. I stood up and rode and it was, and I, I went back again. How did you feel after riding
0: that first wave?
1: Yo, I was, I was like, yo, I was, I was shouting. And this old man was just laughing on the beach. He was just laughing. And I turned that board right around and I went right back out again went right back out again and, and I just kept on, each afternoon after that, I just kept on coming back until the day that that old buddy looked at me and he's like after this come by my house and then I'll give you a board and then I, 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 I walked past his house every single day because he lived, he lived in the road that comes down from, from the mountain so I walk, he used to walk past that, his house every day and he gave me gave me that board, and I left that board there by his house, and every afternoon I would pick it up. Wow. Every afternoon I'd pick it up, and I still have that board down to today. Amazing. It's hanging It's hanging on my wall, and I still have it all today.
0: That's awesome. So, the ocean became your escape, uh, where you could get away from um, the home, which should have been a safe place for you. Yeah. The home wasn't a safe place. No. so. The ocean provided that yeah. safe place for you. Yes, it did. And uh, you went there every year as a kid to escape whatever you needed to escape at home. And the ocean eventually gave you what you needed yeah. in that first wave.
1: In that first wave, you know, after, after going home and like, I was laying on my bed and I was just thinking about it. And in that moment, like when I, when I was in the water, I I just remembered how I was feeling. Like I didn't think about, worried about food, didn't worry about my mom shouting about this, not having money, not having this, and and I could just I could just be present now. You know, it was just me and the waves. I didn't think of anything else because if I thought of anything else, I would have been wiped out. Yeah, I would have been wiped out.
0: Oh, uh, you let go of everything and just. Well it was, also, it was also, I think, due to the fact that you'd been sitting there, you know when, when as a surf coach, yeah, and we'll get onto this, um, you try and teach someone how to surf, um, the first thing happens not in the water, mm. happens on land. Yes. you learn how to pop up, you, you, and everyone you know in the past we used to go get confused and go, "Oh, what do you mean we're not going surfing in the ocean, we're surfing on yeah. the land?" You, you're having to teach someone to do that in a matter of hours. Yes. Now you sat there for thousands of hours mm. just studying and watching. Yeah. And that's what gave you the ability to just stand yeah. up because yeah. you'd been studying.
1: I've been studying it for a long time, yeah. a long time. A lot of things going through my mind, a lot of questions going through my mind. And, you know, I got answers to those questions as I was doing it. You know, eventually when I jumped into the water, like so many light bulbs was going on and I was just like, this is next level.
0: Oh, yeah. So you're telling all your mates to come pull yeah. learn? And so you're a teenager now, Yeah. fast forwarding a little bit. How did you transition from being just this guy who'd learned to surf at Komaki to um, becoming a surf coach here in Nusenberg?
1: So my mom, my mom got the opportunity of, uh, working for a really cool lady that, uh, saw the need for, for us to get out of that environment and she actually ended up paying for for my, my school. So she put me into, she put me in a school in Fishhook, uh, called so that was a pure African school. Uh, from, there, from there, I went up to the middle school and then Fishhook High School. And in high school, um, I met a friend that was in my class uh, that was from Hawaii, his name was uh, Taylor. And, um, he, we started talking and like, he was a surfer and he would surf here in Muesenberg and we would hang out and I'd come sleep over at his house because, you know, it was one more opportunity for me to get away from ocean, get away from home. So I didn't want to be there. Um, and I loved how I felt when I was around, you know, him and his family, the vibe was good. You know, they, they showed care towards me and, uh, I wanted to be around that. So a lot of any opportunity that I would get, I would end up sleeping over. And we would go surfing in the mornings. We'd hang out until one morning. Um, I don't know if his mom got the call, but his mom, uh, came and asked him, he's like, Hey, how would you like to go and uh, teach surfing at a, at a shop? So I just came along, you know, I, I, I followed him down and then, and then he was teaching the lesson and then he got another lesson and then, um, they needed assistance. So he's like, all you have to do is come out into the water and just come and help out. So I was like, okay. So then I went into the water, and then from there, like, we started teaching surfing together. So uh, we started out here at um, at uh, Surf Shack, uh, and we started teaching together. And then from there, I was just like, I, I, I saw another opportunity to be able to support myself because, you know, it was only my mom that was working, and uh, I could help and not sell wood, you know, and I, I would start helping out by... Uh, buying this in the house, buying that in the house, and then also being able to hang out with Taylor and doing, you know, what teenagers do, you know? Yeah. I never had that opportunity. I didn't have that luxury to be able to do that uh, because I always needed to think of my brother and my mother. Um, so so I started teaching surfing there, and then when, um, as as time carried on, I met some, some really extraordinary people uh, being on the spot, the being able to connect, and as well as uh, you know being able to give it to other kids that that that, that was in similar situations to myself you know uh because I, I i i knew what i felt and i knew what they were feeling, you know and coming from as well as coming from the township you know i just wanted to to give them that opportunity the same opportunity that was given to me as well mm. and i wanted to give that back yeah so so Working in Musenberg and teaching, teaching surfing, you know, I I remembered, I remembered how I felt catching my very first wave and, and I, I never met anything or experienced anything like that in my life. You know, it provided me with the opportunity to just be with me, you know, and I wanted to give that away to, to, to other kids as well. And because of the, the, the the environment that all of these kids experience, Mm -hmm. um, I, I found myself pulling away from, um, you know, teaching surfing mm. to, to, to foreigners coming over for surf lessons and transitioning more into doing something, um, uh, bigger mm. than myself, you know, and, and we, I started working for an organization in Musenberg, uh, wow. yeah, an outreach program where, where we teach kids from the township, how to surf, but, but as well as using that as a as a way to get them to, to go to school, um, you know, focus on their studies and then in return, they get to surf. So they hooked onto that. And then, and then in the afternoons we would help them with their homework. We would do all of those things. And then we would teach them how to surf. And through that, I met, I met so many, so many cool kids, man. And, um, I, that's also how I met my wife, Okay, you know, my, my present wife, that's how I met her. Um, one of the kids that, um, that i was working with uh, kept on telling me this this story about oh his mom's coming back from america but i was like but i already met your mom you know your mom your mom lives in capricorn you know i've spoken <laughs> to her so many times it's like no man not that mom you know my other mom you know okay um she's been she's been taking care of me helping me with my schoolwork, and uh, making sure that i've got all my books and all my things you know amazing um, she's coming back from america since so i was like, oh, okay you know so i just humored his story and i listened to him and i was like okay you know okay cool and then like one week out he was like okay she's coming in one week and i was like oh cool like you know when you're kind of like you know joking with him i was like okay cool when uh, when she comes like bring her around i'd love to meet her you know so um so eventually she arrived and at the time i was working at the same place that i was teaching the surfing to all the kids there was also a pizza place and uh she came around she brought all the kids um around for pizza and uh, it, I think it was like a couple of weeks, you know, and um, we spoke and she came back again. And then uh, I kind of had a conversation with her and she, she, I said, oh, you know, I'd love to hear what it is that you're doing. And at the time, she was, t- um, she was telling me that um, she started a home. She went back to the States. Um, the boy that, uh, that we were both working with, he uh, he was in a really bad situation and he was working with uh, with the gangsters in Capricorn and he was doing a lot of bad, not a lot of bad things, but he was in a terrible place and uh, there was no real support for him and she couldn't work with, uh, with any of the social workers because uh, the rules here in South Africa is that even if the mother is not uh, capable of looking after the child, it will go to the next uh, relative, of so yeah. sometimes they're even living in the same house, Okay, you know, so that didn't work. So she went back to the States and she sold everything. And, uh, she moved back, she moved here to South Africa. She got a two bedroom apartment here in uh, Musenberg. And, uh, that is where, where he was staying along with, uh, two other, two other boys. So she shared all this with me and I said to her, uh, I shared a little bit about my story and I said, well, look, I'd really love to connect more. I'd really like to share. Uh, see how we are able to to work together somehow because mm-hmm. I meet a lot of kids that is in need of a temporary safe care. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to meet up on the beach and um, I don't know, you know, you know, I like to talk, uh, talk a lot and mm-hmm. I found myself that I was the only one talking the whole time and she was just doing all of the listening. And in the end, she kind of like nodded her head and she, she, she spoke to me and she said, Oh, you know, we should do this again sometime. But in that moment, she was kind of freaked out because I shared with her exactly what it is that she would like to do with her life as well. Because I shared with her my, my vision of having this place of, of safety where kids are just able to be kids where they don't have to be adults, forced adults, or being able to be responsible for another kid because your one and only responsibility in life is supposed to be just a kid when you are like you know you shouldn't have any more responsibilities than that, but unfortunately this is our circumstances that we grow up in, in the township Mm -hmm. and uh, I just wanted to have a place where where they are able to do that, where they just can be kids, you know, be kids, laugh, you know do silly things that kids do, you know, and I shared this with her and she kind of went home and she told her she called a friend, she's like you would never believe, like, I met this guy that literally told me what my dream is. And a friend was like, well, just marry the guy. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> simple and like, as that. Just... You know, as simple as that. And then, then after that, she kind of, like, connected with me. And then um, she asked me if, if I would like to go to church with her and the kids one evening. We started hanging out more and more. And she, the more we spoke, the more we realized how many things we had in common and, and how many things... Uh, how many of our goals was the same, and um, I mean, it, I then asked her. I was like, "Hey, would you like to uh, have a cup of tea with me someday?" Mm. And uh, you know, because tea takes longer to drink than coffee because you get the whole mug, you know. <laughs> so, um, so after after hanging out with her and having some tea, you know, I said to her like, "Look, you know, I what really." You need... <laughs> uh, no, no, not that fast, not that fast, you know, almost, um, almost. But that's just kind of like, you know, after, after we spoke more, we, we realized that, you know, we, we grew fond, really fond of each other. And we yeah. wanted to do that, do more of these things uh, together. And we started hanging out more and more. And uh, eventually we decided to, 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 to move in together and, and do this thing together. And, you know, with two different perspectives, because, you know, something really interesting that I found uh, spending time with her, and and me coming from the township, our mentality is limited. We 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 don't think big because I mean the hardest thing for me in life was to dream while I was living in the township. Yes. You know because even if you think of something, you know uh, I mean there's nothing gonna come of it because where's the opportunities? Where's the support? Your dream. Your dream pushes? is crushed you immediately. Know, yeah. Immediately, there's no chance for anything. And and she really. She really got me to a point where I was able to also start dreaming because she was speaking big and I was you know i could I could support uh little things here and there and then eventually you know um I realized that you know because we we come from two different worlds, it would be such a benefit to these kids, but it's also such a benefit because I'm from the township, so we have two perspectives on how we are able to support uh, this organization that she started uh, in the uh, year um, called the Glu House, you know, and um, we eventually ran forward with the Glu House, uh, which... The Glu
0: House, all the links are down below. If you want to find out more or get involved to support the Glu House, Glu House... Um, spelled G-L-O, Khlua means believe. Yes, Khlua means believe. Uh, in Afrikaans, so not the glow house, it's the chlua house. Yes. With a kh- yes. with a little rumble <laughs> in the G. <laughs> Khlua. Uh, chlua. Yeah. And it means believe. So the belief house, instilling belief back into the kids and believing that it's okay to dream, believing that, that dreams are possible and can come true. Yes. Right? yes. That's it, your ethos, isn't yes. it? Yes.
1: It, it also stands for growth, love, and opportunity. G L O.
0: Oh, well, there yeah. we go. What a cool acronym. G L O. Yeah. So let's let's fast forward to. Sorry, I keep doing this no, because no problem. No problem. yes, you love to talk yeah. and you can go into great detail. And so, um, were there other? Were there any other? Because you had these influences. You 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 know, life is oftentimes about meeting people who inspire one to be one's better self. <clears throat> yes. And I think of. And sometimes it's not a person. In your case, it was the ocean. Yeah. Um, and then there was the old man sitting on the beach who inspired you to, and had the belief in you to encourage you to surf. Yeah. Were there any other people that came into your life that propelled you in this direction?
1: Yes. Um, so there's one one individual that, uh, that really uh, played a, a big role in my life. Um, while, while teaching, um, surfing, here yeah, at Surfshack, um, I had the opportunity of meeting, uh, meeting a man from, from Sweden, but whose family is originally, uh, from South Africa. Um, he used to come down here once a year, sometimes twice a year, and his family was just about to come back from, from Sweden. And he wanted to surprise his son by, by kind of whooping his ass and in surfing, so you wanted to get a couple okay. of surfing lessons before. <laughs> and I was just busy speaking to, um, speaking to a group of, uh, instructors and just, just kind of like encouraging them about, about how they should interact with, um, with, uh, with, uh, uh, their lesson and also, you know, management and all those, you know, people aren't always in a good mood. And I was just having a mor- morning briefing with them and, and, uh, this individual, Brian, walked in at that time and he, he saw me busy he's speaking to to these guys. And he walked to the front desk and he said, to, he said to my boss, he's like, I want that guy to teach me. And my boss came up to me and he's like, hey, like, uh, can you do a lesson now? I said, yes, yes, yes. So I quickly jumped into my wetsuit and then off we went down to the beach. But there was something like different about this guy because this, this guy he was just like... It was just so cool, man. It was like chill. And I don't know why, but I just felt that I could like speak to him. And I, did, I would talk to him. And in the water, he would ask me, throw little questions at me here and there. Anyway, after our surf lesson, we were booked for another surf lesson the next day. And instead of doing a surf lesson, he was like, you want to go and have coffee? And I was like, okay. So we went and we had coffee and I started just packing out and just starting to talk to him and... I don't know if he felt like there was something up with me or if I was carrying stuff or whatever, but like he just he just asked all of the right questions. And I never I never spoke to anybody that that really understood and listened. And not just like acting awkward and saying, oh shame, sorry mm. that you had to go through that. No, it was none of that. And the the reaction was completely different. And because of his reaction, my way of responding to all of that changed because i didn't put on a a mask anymore i didn't say you know when when someone says to you like how are you or they ask you how are you and you kind of just throw it like no i'm good you know but they never really there's never there's never really a follow-up story to that or they never really want to hear even if you have to say to them i'm not good you know Mm. so this guy went beyond that and he he proceeded to ask me so many different questions but not only didn't just asked me questions, he also proceeded to to share more about his life and his journey. And I found this bizarre And I would, Kind of wanted to ask myself, like, what does this guy want? You know, and uh, he pitched yeah. up the next day. What well. is it
0: What like? Why is he paying so much attention, attention and interest in, in me? Yeah, because no Comparative one, to everyone else you yeah, kind of hung out with. Yeah. Or n- coached. Exactly.
1: Yeah. No one, no one paid attention to me in that way ever, ever. And you know, when you feel heard, that's how I felt, mm. I felt heard. And, and he proceeded to, 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 to reach out to me, speak to me. And then in the following w- uh, week, he was, uh, he was meant to go back to Sweden after his, his family arrived, he was meant to go back to Sweden. And before he left to Sweden, we had, we had a coffee at just down the road here. And he said to me, I left you a package. And here's the address. You need to pick it up on this date. And I was like, what does this guy want? You know, (laughs) and it just boggled my brain. And eventually I went to go pick up the package and I saw that it was a a whole lot of books. But it was books about like, you know, how to take charge of this, how to take charge of that. It helped me think. I uh, I read one book called uh, by Tony Robbins, Awakening the Giant. You know, all of those things. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's just like all aspects of life, you know. Just to like equip yourself with all the right tools that you need enough, and and while reading that, I got so mad at this guy because you know, so many things started like building up inside of me, and and the moral of the story is this, you know, in the end, you know, he taught me how to take charge of my life. He taught me how to quit making excuses, quit. Uh, just because you're not in a place where you're supposed to be, I s- stopped blaming other people. I started looking inward and started doing some personal inventory and seeing, you know, what can I do about the situation? Yes, I was born in a, in a dysfunctional background. Yes, I come from the township. Yes, my father went to prison for 24 years. But that is the past. What can I do about my future? What can I do today differently that is going to impact my future? And... That is, that is, you know, when you start doing inventory, you start realizing what things makes you happy, what gives you purpose. And I started finding my purpose by giving away what was given to me freely by some random person that I met that has now had such a huge impact in my life. It's changed completely forever. Mm. And you know, the only thing that he asked me, whatever I did for you, Go do it for someone else. That was the only, only thing that he wanted. The Mm. only thing it Mm. took me more than five years. We've been, we, I've been walking this journey with, with Brian, Brian Bosch for, for probably going on 16, 16 years now. And, and each day I'm still growing and each day I'm still reminded of the day that he, that I met him, Mm. I met him on the beach. And it's amazing, forever.
0: absolutely amazing. And we were sitting having a coffee prior to this uh, this, this conversation and uh, the phone rang and it was Brian. Mm. So you're in regular contact with him. Um, it's quite, let me say that again. Oh, it's quite simple to see that Brian has been a mentor in your life and has helped you along this journey yes. to, to where you're at right now. So props to Brian we all know who you are. (laughs) That's amazing. And so tell us about now how the Khloor house has evolved and where it's at, but like, let's step one, one, one step back. How, how did it get you?
1: Yeah. So, so after, after moving into, into a two bedroom apartment and, you know, when you're spending time on the ground to say, you know, you, you see the need, you see, you see the need for, for kids just to be kids. And, and in a span of, I'd say like eight months, Uh the, the Khlu house, which was based in a two bedroom apartment grew from, from three kids to 10 kids. And then as, as well as running a surfing program. Wow. Uh, teaching surfing to kids, we would have about up to 30 kids in a two-bedroom apartment right down the road here. And you can imagine the neighbors like with all the lighties coming up and down the stairs, you know. Uh, it was a flat coming up and down the stairs, having all the surfboard uh, surfboards on the on the balcony. <laughs> so clearly it wasn't working. It was spot, time, it was, it was time, time to, to grow. It was time to grow. It was time to grow. But the The only thing that was standing in our way of growth was the finances, you know, there was, there was no finances because the, the only thing that was funding the, the organization at the time was the church that that Lindsay was from in the States called Lifebridge. And then, uh, all the things that Lindsay sold from all the, for all the things that she sold in the States, all of her stuff, her apartment and everything, car, Alice sold everything. That was the only money that we had. And because she has such a like first world experience, she wanted to buy all the lighties, yogurts every day, buy all of the nice snacks, not realizing that we're going to be running out of cash, you know? So I ended up selling my car as well, you know? So that was the only funding that we really had. So
0: just to keep the Khloor the house going yes. and these kids equipped just with day-to-day life
1: medical you guys you guys pretty much sold everything that you had to keep it going yeah because they live they they live with us full-time okay um so covering all the medical covering everything extracurricular activities um if they need to if they need new clothes or anything like that we covered all of those things um and then Lindsay also believed that you know uh Everybody needs dental checks and everybody needs all of those things. You know, me coming from the township, I, I'm scared of going to the doctor. So I'm not promoting any of those things. (laughs) So anyway, like the apartment became too small for us and we were looking for funding to move to a bigger place. Uh, We weren't even looking to buy because I mean, like we, like we weren't even thinking that far, we just wanted to make sure that we can. Uh, fix one month's more rent, you know, because we were coming close to the end of the lease and all of that. Eventually, uh, like we're sitting on our bed and we're busy going through all of our finances. We're busy checking like, what are we going to do? You know, we need to move out in two days time. No money. We've been looking at apartments. We've been looking at houses that that is a little bit bigger. We found one in Steinberg, but we had no money. And I don't know how it happened. But we came down to the last day of having to move out of the apartment, not having, I think we had about like a thousand bucks in our account and the, that morning we got a notification on our phone and someone just deposited 48,000 Rand into our account. That was bizarre. And we always said, you know, that that God always comes at like the 11th hour and like he came that time proper proper 11th hour and what an
0: anonymous donation I
1: um, I don't think it was anonymous okay but but we we knew who sent it yeah but it's it's just crazy how it came at that time because um. we 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 did posts we did all of those things and you know because you are also like it's a new organization Uh, we, we do things differently. So because of that, it's foreign to people as well. So, um, you have no credibility built up for anybody. So it makes it so much harder for people to even support that, you know? So now you kind of left to your own devices, having to do it yourself. But, um, somehow we moved into our six bedroom house.
0: Amazing. Yeah.
1: In Steenburg, uh, we were renting there. We started renting for about, um, we were renting there for two years. And midway, um, my, my wife fell pregnant with, with our son.
0: Congrats. Um,
1: So thank you. Thank you. Um, she felt pregnant with our son and then, you know, because she was so scared of, of the experience of, of hospitals here in South Africa of having to take the kids to, you know, for the medical checks and all of that. she experienced the, like how bad the service was and how long you have to wait in emergency rooms and all of that. So she didn't want to give birth here in South Africa. So yes. halfway through her pregnancy, she decided that she was going to go back to the States. Mm-hmm. So, and then I was manning the fourth year at the time. We, we just hired a, a house mother, uh, that, uh, would do the day to day, you know, make food mm. for the kids mm-hmm. and look after the kids and things. Um, so my mom stepped in, my mom also helped out, and so many people reached out, so many people decided to help because I needed to fly to the States as well yes. to to go and be with my be with my wife because she was also having complications at the time. She was going into preterm labor, so okay. I needed to then take be off. There. Yes, and then and then during that, just before I needed to leave, we had a volunteer. And this volunteer um, heard my story and heard, you know, the things like uh, went through all the things that we were doing and he was just about to finish a book. he's just about to finish a book. And, and he asked me if I can't fly to Chicago to come and speak at his book opening ceremony. And through that 11th hour, he paid for my whole trip to the state.
0: Wow. Insane.
1: Whole trip to the state. Amazing. If Brian was here, he would say, flow state.
0: Flow state. Flow state.
1: Yep. You know, doing everything the right way and always making sure you are where you say you are, you know, and we, after flying to the States, uh, I spoke at the book opening ceremony. That was awesome. Um, I then flew back to Atlanta, which is where, where Carter was born, my son, um, and then from there we went we went up to we flew back up to Chicago uh we went to the town where Lindsay was from um in Wisconsin and there I was I was so bored because like you know um I wasn't really doing anything during the course of the day and like we were hanging out with uh, family and all of that and I'm a really busy guy so I wanted to stay busy so I asked to kind of like help out at your church or something like that I started helping out at the church and then from there, uh, I would just meet so many people and I like to talk. So I was sharing our vision with everybody. Yes. With everybody, everybody, anybody that I would meet, I would share the vision. I would speak and I would speak.
0: Let's just stop there. So, so you you'd got to America and given your personality, um, sort of entrenched yourself in the local community in Lindsay's like, hometown. And every day you would kind of meet new people, yeah. become friends with new people. And this is where the chloa House journey kind of begins, right? Yes, yes. Okay, we got 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, this is where the Khloe House journey uh, begins. So so we we had now stayed in this spot for, in this house, a six bedroom house for two years. And it's finally time to leave because Everything is it's like the dream it's, gets bigger. It it gets bigger, you know. At that time we had financial problems as well. We had we had no money once again.
0: Um, because you're giving back, you're you looking you're looking after kids and you you're giving you giving of your resources. <laughs> yes. It's not like you're spending it on fancy cars no. and and big homes. You you're supporting the community, yeah, and that's why you're running out of funding.
1: Yeah, and you know now I have a I have a, a a baby that I have to take care of because I spend all of my time uh, working uh, for the clue house, mm-hmm. and I spend all my time you know hanging out with the kids, and 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 there is no time to go and do another job and earn an income for my family, you know. So all of all of my time goes there so now now back fast forward to to america i finally have the opportunity to be able to earn some cash and and the church the church is giving me um you know uh, paying me here and there where i'm busy doing our jobs you mm. know helping friends, stuff yeah, handyman and stuff and i'm making some i'm making some money and bro, i'm like like in the groove you know i'm loving this stuff i'm like loving what i'm doing i love being in the position that i'm in and i'm sharing with so many people um what we are doing while we are doing it and you know both our lives are pretty much 100 percent in this thing you know and we are doing it solely for the purpose of you know what was done for me as well Mm. you know and i want to give back so in this we are coming to the end of of being in this house but we have no money and we we're busy doing fundraising i'm speaking in churches i'm speaking all over town i'm making connections and we're getting donations here we're getting donations there and but it's not enough to be able to secure a permanent space for the clue house you know because we want to make this permanent we don't want to be worried about this, worried yes, about that. landlord you know, kicking
0: you out after so many months. Exactly. And, et
1: and prove COVID hits and we can't go home and we are stuck there for over nine months. And over that nine months, I I spend my time and Lindsay spends the time just connecting with different people, speaking to different people. And we're hanging out with friends and family. We're having like connection nights, and we're speaking to sharing our story. Mm-hmm. And and right before we're about to leave the states, we get a phone call from from her pastor that connected with that a person that I met in the church while I was working. And it's like you know, Darren speaking all the time. And Lindsay, I heard so many stories about Lindsay and what she's doing. And, you know, I heard what you guys are doing together. And like, we just so stoked, you know, and it's so great what you're doing. And uh, we heard that you guys want to buy a farm because we've been pursuing three years prior. We looked at a farm while we were living in a two bedroom apartment. We were dreaming about a farm, uh, but we had no money. So how are we going <laughs> to even buy the farm if we don't have money, you know? And I thought this was pretty, pretty hilarious. and. Um, it was crazy how it was like coming alive. And, and we visited the farm three years prior okay. with no money in the bank.
0: Just, like, Just going to look. Okay, cool.
1: And this was in Scarborough. And we fast forward uh, three years. we we speaking to the pastor. And the, and the pastor uh, says, well, um, I've spoken to a group of people and we would like to buy you the farm. And we like completely, in the mid of COVID, we bought a farm, a seven acre piece of land. Wow. Which is something that both Lindsay and I, which is the story that I shared with her, which is something that she wanted to do as well. And just like that, dream come true, 11th hour. Wow. 11th hour.
0: And that's the Khloor house as it is today. And again, all the links down below. If you want to go look at images of the farm and see how you can help, there's volunteer um, opportunities on the farm. There's so many ways that you can can get involved. But, wow, what what an incredible journey. I mean, from being this young dude who had a hopeless future, Mm. essentially. Yes. Well, put in front of you. Exactly. Exactly. um, Not by choice, Mm. uh, to escaping to the beach Not realising that, um, you know, Ponce de Leon said that the Fountain of Youth, um, what something about the Fountain of Youth? Um, This is what Ponce de Leon said, but what he didn't realise is that the Fountain of Youth was just overboard in the ocean, and if he just dived off the boat into the ocean, that is where the Fountain of Youth would have been. And for you, the ocean was your sanctuary, and it it was a pivotal part in your life that propelled you to a dream state, Mm. meeting people along the way, like the old man on the beach, like Brian, like Lindsay, like the pastor, like the people that, you know, it was that stepping stone to where you are at now with a beautiful farm, helping. Young kids, helping older kids, helping the kids integrate back into a family-type environment. Yes, yes 100%. Um, Darren Nicholson, what an amazing story, bro.
1: Thanks, man.
0: What an amazing story. And, and may you continue to keep inspiring and giving back, doing what Brian said, like what you've been given you've been doing it for such a long time now and uh, the world would be a better place if there were more people like you
1: thanks man one love
0: one love brother one love is there anything else you want to finish off by saying
1: um you know I think if I if I I was busy speaking to someone earlier and and I was I was saying to him you know you have to you have to address your childhood traumas otherwise your relationships will do it for you and put yourself first always because there's no point in you giving 100 percent of the wrong thing to someone make sure you're giving them a little bit of something really good
0: it's an amazing way to end thanks darren